Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. Uh, I'm joined today again. Uh, it's the same day as we were last week, uh, which is ironic because we are talking about the length of days, both literal and <laughs> metaphorical. Uh, but I'm joined again by our good friend, Jonathan Anthemia. Jonathan, how's it going? I know we just spoke five minutes ago, but how's it going now? Five Still minutes smooth, my friend. After all those push-ups all and those stretching. Push-ups. <laughs> um, so we're continuing on from last week. Uh, we won't have to do a little bio this week just because, you know, I hope you listen to last week's episode because if you're starting from this week, uh, you might be a little confused. Uh, Just because last week, Jonathan laid down the framework for the literal translation of the first, not only the first few chapters of Genesis, but the first few verses of Genesis when we're talking about creation. And today, Jonathan's going to finish his framework. He's going to bring arguments and discussion points for both the young earth and old earth creation theories We'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll definitely transition into um, Christianity with logic, where faith and logic intersect, and how should Christians approach uh, logic and science, and does it will it be able to coexist with their faith? So uh, today, Jonathan, I'm just going to give you the reins again, and we will just continue like we started. Absolutely. Um, so last week, like you had mentioned, I just kind of covered over some of the inconsistencies that I've seen in the young earth creationism based off of the use of the word day as a 24 hour solar period. Um, this week, just to kind of wrap up that thought process, I just want to go into four points that I, I feel puncture holes or, um, create big enough obstacles that make it hard for me to accept the 24 hour, uh, solar day explanation of Genesis chapter one, at least. Um, and then the first one is something I mentioned last week, just, uh, and I will go over the, that quickly. It's just this idea of e- there was an evening and there was a day and that using, using that Jewish, uh, vocabulary, using that framework of that's present throughout Jewish writings. Um, when we read that God rested on the seventh day, right? We don't see an evening and a morning. We see that God is still in his rest, right? Like, like I mentioned, he's not creating things anymore the way he did in the creation account, right? There's no, no longer ex nihilo out of nothingness happening. Uh, and I just think that's, I think that's one of the bigger things that makes me think about it, right? Like God is in his day of rest still, you know, and, and I can't accept a 24 hour period because of that. Like at the very least, I haven't seen evidences that would lead me to beyond that reality. Uh, and then there's like one of the more, some would say more, you know, lucru banale, like a more banal point of like, Guys, if we're going to say day and it's going to be a 24 hour and that's based off of our understanding of the sun and the movement of the planets now from our point of time, right? In the continuum of the universe's existence, whenever that was, the sun and moon were only made on the fourth day, guys. Um, that's, that's, you know, it's so elementary for me. Like how, how are we going to ascribe a 24 hour period to the first couple days? Like what, what leap in reasoning do I need to make to get to that point? I don't want to speculate on what that leap is or what that's quantified as. I just know that for me personally, I find it very hard to make that step. I make, I find it very hard to make that step because, you know, there's the, one of the modern theories is that like, well, the sun was behind the sun and the moon were behind the clouds, the waters and the heavens and stuff like that. But you're, you're, you're grasping, you know, there's an expression, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel so much you're getting splinters under your fingernails, right? Like you're trying to find a non literal interpretation to a literal occurrence. Right. And, um, you have to be consistent in your approach. Like if, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have hermeneutics, right? Like we have rules that we engage with things. That's why we reasons why we have logic. We engage with things in a logical, consistent manner, uh, per, depending on the subject, right? And how we approach each subject, we have to follow through with that. We can't just keep flopping it in, right? It's like, it's like playing with your nephews and nieces, right? And they're like, oh no, no, add five points to this turn. Like I have five more points than you or after I won this little one or I lost. And I just, I feel that there needs to be more, consideration from the other side to be like, Hey, I want, we're holding you to this standard. You know, it's a, maybe it needs to be defined or whatever. But for me personally, at the very least, it's not about attacking or proving somebody wrong. For me, it's just about the fact that I don't, I don't see that step. I don't have faith to make that step as other people might have faith at this time. I'm not saying if it's good faith or bad faith, just saying it takes faith. Um, and, and, and again, that's again, coming back to what we talked about the Sabbath, about God resting on it. Like it's about pattern, not about time. It's, there's this very clear, like as we look to this 
passage in scripture. There's historical, literal, and there, there is metaphoric. Uh, there is anthropo, uh, well, we didn't talk about that point, so I'll leave that piece be, but there's just these elements that can, that are, have tension between them, between the literal and the metaphorical. Um, and, and one of the things that I, we see, just one of the things that sticks out from the text itself um, is the text for Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Um, and that's like really easy to read. And I'll, I'll just read that off um, here for you guys. We read it at the beginning. Here it is. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and the fruit and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. See, when we read this account, all the other creation moments, all the other places where God speaks and out of nothingness comes, is, it says, let the Lord, it pretty much says, and the Lord said, or the Lord commanded. This is a place where God's not saying, and let there be trees and vegetation and let there be seeds, you know, fruit trees according to its seed, according to its kind. Not at all. The Lord tell the Lord says, let the earth bring forth things. Let the earth bring forth plants, vegetation, fruit trees. Now, if you're a literalist and you believe in 24 hours, 24 hour days, what you're, what the only logical conclusion I can come to, it's like you're watching a time lapse on YouTube you're watching a time lapse. You ever watch those like mushroom growing time lapses or? I watched other, I mean, I watched like sunsets. I don't think I ever Sun- watched oh, yeah, yeah. mushroom growing. <laughs> I'm sorry. The botanist in me is me. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that'd be the mycologist in me technically because yeah. it's a fungus, not a plant. Again, more nerdiness. God yeah. help us. Me o- especially. Only more the reason that people would think you're a botanist. <laughs> yeah. So the rumor is quasi true. Um, just like my knowledge. Um, yeah. So it's like. Uh, is that what is that what twenty four hour creationists envision? Twenty four hour days that there's somehow there's a time lapse of all of nature, all of the plants, and like that's a huge leap. <laughs> like not to mock the idea, but like for me, it's I, I, I chuckle, I laugh a little because it's it's incredulous. Like that somehow, like that would be the that makes sense. Like again, you're reading your context. I, I feel like I would be reading my understanding of time. My under, like. It's such a step for me, Marcus. I, I just can't make it. And I, and I find that anybody who goes to the text and envisions that sort of thing, it's like you're, you're, you're possibly, you're possibly, quite possibly, for me, a little bit certainly missing out on the perspective of the, like, the, the scriptures are supposed to be, you're supposed to look at the full tapestry of what God's doing. You, you know, you can't, it's like those people who just focus on one part of scripture and say how the, terrible the Lord is, right? That Canaanites were killed. Yeah. Well, if you read chapters before where God talks to Abraham, well, I'm going to send your people into Canaan and I'm passing judgment on Canaan. Why? Because they've committed abominations. And then he lists off. They've, you know, and we know from the Canaanite, just from secular sources, what the Canaanites were about. They would kill the old and infirm. They would sacrifice children and fire. They had profane and perverse things that they were doing, not moralistically, but ethically that humanists would have issues with today. And God is saying, like, I'm done with that. But people will just focus on one little portion of that. So mm-hmm. it's the same way. It's the same way here. It's um, there's just this very real like I I want to look at the, the whole perspective of what God's doing. And then how does that heart of God how does his actions, his purposes, his scopes, as we can understand with human minds, so limited? How, do, how can I look at the Genesis account and why would I feed into it this idea of a time lapse? Just, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and lastly, um, lastly, the, the fourth point is just Adam's activity in that day, right? Because it talks about how God made man and woman. Well, we know from Genesis chapter two what Adam was doing before Eve showed around. He was up there, he was commanded to tend to the garden, and then he was supposed to name all the animals, and all the things that were, right? Now think about that. Um, if you're a literal creationist, if you're a young day creationist, you believe that God has created primarily the thousands of species, right? If you were to like agriculture, so don't think of like bacteria and fungi and plants where like, like Adam's like, oh, that's a fruit tree. It creates apples. That's an apricot tree. That is an ox. That is a lion. That is a mouse. That is a slug, you know, like, so like think I, I, again, author and audience, he had a, there was a spectrum of animals that he was dealing with. But if you believe God created all the animals in their primarily current form, right? Without like some macro evolution in between. Well, as a, as a young earth theorist, you have to believe that. 
So that they kind of have to jump on your side here. Like, hey, you can't like exclude certain species because you support the young earth creationism theory. And you have to believe that God created every animal that you see today. You know, God created a almost the exact same form. I mean, maybe with like yeah. minor... Minus the... Indi- yeah, because uh, yeah, it's 6,000 years. Yeah, yeah. So th- just to prove your point there. Yeah, I mean, there's certain ways that, we, you know, you can look at the genetics of a, a squirrel, you know, that gets separated by a river, you know, in the canyon. Like the Grand Canyon, there's two squirrels on either side of the Grand Canyon, and they're almost genetically the same. And they... Anyways, we're not going to get into yeah. the science. <laughs> but yeah, like ultimately, there's that very real thing. Like Adam was naming... So you're telling me inside of a 24-hour period, Adam was not only created, he names every single animal and fruit tree and stuff under the sun, right? Like he has this knowledge. I believe Adam was exceptionally intelligent, right? Just exceptionally intelligent, even though he was a blockhead when it came to Eve in the garden and yep. he lets her eat from the fruit, uh, from the tree. And then blames her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it tells us how smart men are. So yep. More... And capazzinare, as our grandfathers would say, or wouldn't say, who knows? Yeah, yeah, there's this reality of like all that happened, and then God puts him to sleep, pulls a rib out, makes her. He wakes like that's like that's a 24 hour period for you. Like, I I don't see it. Like it's it's very clear in the text. It's it's very clear in the text. Um, Like again, he not only names them all, but he's looking for a mate. He's looking for a a partner that was for him, potrivit, you know, that was meant for him, right? Like we read that, um, where is it? Here we go, chapter two. Yeah, 20, chapter two, verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him, right? And like, that's a lot. That's a lot of creation. That's a lot of animals. It's a lot, like they would have to file by him at an inf- like ridiculously fast speed. And there's no time lapse that we know of. And it's ridiculous to assume that. And then he says in 23, and like God, you know, took a rib, made woman, brought her to the man. And man said, Adam said, this, is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This at last you know, uh, this this is this is a this is a powerful emotive language that's found in the Old Testament as well. This is uh, Jacob with, you know, when he's wants to take his wives Leah and um, and Rebecca Rachel. Rachel sorry, yeah. I'm thinking Rebecca. Wrong wrong timeline. That was his mother. Um, just like that's his his motive. Like at last, not he labored seven years for one wife and seven years for the next. Like at last, he gets to go be with his people, leave Laban's house. This is the same emotion of of Jacob when he comes into the uh, to meet his son Joseph again after he's uh, you know the his brothers. Hey, Joseph's alive in Egypt. Let's go there. And Jacob said, you know, at last my soul can rest. This is emotive uh, with time tied to it. And this is not, I'm not exploring and searching. This is just in the text. Yeah. This is just in the scriptural text. We're studying what the Bible says, not concordance, not giving our own sense of time to this. Uh, and so if you're going to say all that happened in 24 hours, that's that's a big statement. That's, for me, not that this is, like, it's not personal, but that's a ridiculous position to take for me. I just can't stand with that. I, I wouldn't be able to logically stand with that. Um and, and what I really hope, and, and that kind of closes out what I have, but in closing, I just want to say regarding this topic, you know, and I mean, what I have to say in terms of it, and we're going to talk about some things afterwards, but um, like my, my point about this all is um, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's room in the household of faith to hold parallel lateral positions on certain things, how they've occurred, how they apply to us. And, and that doesn't mean we have to be outside the household of faith, you know? I don't have to hold maybe the orthodox position of my forebears on everything. I mean, look at us, man. You know, our parents didn't think, you know, our great-grandparents didn't think if you didn't wear a skirt as a female at all times, like, you know, like you're the end-all of end-alls. Or you can't wear a tie because it points to hell. Or t- <laughs> that is so, yeah, the, there's, there's some ridiculous examples. Where They're it's still like, out there. And they, yeah. they are still out there. And what Bible they're reading, I don't know, but maybe they need to read the real one. Um, <laughs> apologies, guys. Uh, comic relief. Um, there's 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 room in the household of faith to have different interpretations about certain things. Now, there are certain close fist theologies, the nature of God, uh, the propitiation achieved through the blood of Jesus alone, right? The, the, the fact that we are saved by grace and grace alone, that has solely because of what Jesus did, not anything we contribute, et cetera, right? These are things that the church does not debate upon. 
Mm-hmm. But the church throughout time has not, you know, like we, we look through lenses today and we think 24-hour periods, right? Or until the liberal theologian showed up and they started talking about things. But since Augustine, since Justin Martyr, there have been, and rabbis of their contemporaries of theirs, not everybody has held a 24-hour day period position on creation. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think that annuls my faith in Jesus. That doesn't annul my faith in the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, the working and sanctifying me. And I think it raises more questions for me, but that's good because if we stagnate, if we just become a people who know how to mimic what our ancestors have said and don't think for ourselves, we just become secondhand revelation keepers. We should be reading the scriptures, being challenged by them to think thoroughly through things, see where the synergy between the text and the world we live in, right? God gave us the laws of mathematics. He gave us the the rates of decay of, of certain things under certain conditions. We can measure those now. Thank God we don't live 300 years ago where we'd be dying of cholera, but we have medicine and we can devote ourselves to maybe a little bit more of an intellectual existence. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just use our time as Christians to, you know, not try to find the things that different separate us. Like this topic doesn't separate me from my closest friends. No. You know, um, and I just hope, I just hope that, Anybody who heard this, whatever it was, poorly formulated uh, conver- or, or points about young earth versus old earth creationism, I hope that you take hope that if you really do trust Jesus and you're just trying to pursue the goodness of him and his truth from the scriptures, um, that he'll He'll continue to give you light just as in your his timeline with you. Nobody has the same timeline as me or as you, Marcus. And uh, whatever the future holds, if we trust in him, it'll work for our good. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned this because there are things in the Word of God that we can apply, you know, her- hermeneutics to. And for those of you who haven't caught on the context clues, I don't think we um, fully uh, define it. It's it's Hermeneutics is basically the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation, specifically for the Bible and maybe like some uh, literary works. But um, you're dealing with interpretation. And something like this, I think can de- can be derived from a couple of uh, branches of thought. And you mentioned that there there are some things that are closed fists, like salvation because of grace, you know, through our faith. I think that's something very close fit. And if you're if you're faltering on that, then you, that's something you need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you know a lot of Christians don't like to have gray areas, but there are certain things that can have gray areas because uh, when we're you know performing our exegesis, when we're interpreting a certain text, um, there are some things that we can draw out that speak differently to us. Um, however, you know, the the most important things are the things that are close fits. I think there is no gray area, and this is me personally. I don't mm-hmm. believe in gray area when it comes to morality mm-hmm. and when it comes to sin. I don't believe a lot of churches nowadays, um, secular churches, if I can call them, are opening their arms and embracing immoral things, immoral lifestyles, sure. and that's I think the start of the degradation of not only. Um, this earth and this world as we know it, but uh, to a lot of Christians out there, which is very sad because you and I and everyone else out there believe that Jesus is coming soon and his return is soon. It's imminent, especially the times that we're living living in. So, um, yeah, there are certain things that are not debatable, but there are certain things that, you know, you can apply your knowledge that I think it's safe to use logic and reason to have your own your own interpretation. Um, now, as long as you don't get caught up into the, to this your web of logic and reason, and, and mm-hmm. that you know hopefully doesn't stray you away from the Word of God and what your foundation is, you know Jesus yeah. as your rock and Savior. So, <clears throat> right now I'm going to present some. Could I actually just tag on to that? Oh, for absolutely. A second? Go ahead. And that all of that flows forth from us approaching the Scriptures with the faith in our hearts that this is what the Lord has for us. Like this is this is the manual. Like from here we have the infallible word of truth and we as long as we don't bend it as long as we prove scripture by scripture we test our thoughts by the scriptures we'll be safe we'll be safe within that healthy spectrum and like you're saying these liberal churches these churches that go off in areas that are not appropriate they're not appropriate because again the word of god has spoken clearly about them and they've just failed to draw near and correct exegesis correct study of scripture and they twist one verse or two verses without uh, taking in the full tapestry of God's intentions for humanity. And, and, and I think that's the safest place to be, right? A, a church that is looking at the full tapestry of God's commandments and wisdom and word and how he's dealt with people in the past in a certain way and try to 
understand how now in the new covenant we live fruitful lives. Yeah, and if they're trying to <clears throat> alter the word of God to embrace a certain a certain ideology mm-hmm. that's not right, that means they have to shun another part of Scripture to be able yeah. to make room for that. So, oh, like you said, it's 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 very important to look at the whole uh, tapestry, you know, of, of what God has told us and uh, inspired us through the Holy Spirit. So, as we continue, um, I'm going to bring forth evidence that I found in my research that sure. supports the uh, young Earth creationism theory, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to tell them. Uh, tell them to you, and then I'll give you a chance to talk about each topic, uh, just so we, you know, for for furthering discussion. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to say I want to give my big reveal that um, I actually lean towards young Earth creationism. That's sure. something that um, I grew up in. I remember my dad uh, years ago asked me. He told me the old Earth creationism theory, and he asked me like, "Oh, which one's right?" And I'm like, "I, I think there. I'm open minded. I'm like, okay, so." Um, you know, I can see how both work. I can see how this and that. And he's like, no, 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 there's only one that's right. <laughs> and it's <laughs> orthodoxy, man. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, the, each day that God created was one calendar day and this sure. and that. And then uh, some of these topics that I'm about to mention are something that he brought up, some some points that he brought up as well at that time. So um, I guess you can say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was indoctrinated from an early age to believe this. Um, it's just something that I've kind of gravitated towards. And sure. Um, to be honest, I haven't done much research on the other side. I don't. I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now after you uh, laid that framework. But um, it's something that I lean towards, and I think it'll, you know, um, catalyze a pretty interesting discussion. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, well, let's, let's get right we'll to it. We'll see how much I can accomplish or how much we can talk about it. <laughs> Knowledge might run out in between the two of us yeah. <laughs> sooner than later. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Agreed. So the first thing that. Um, the first point that I kind of got, and this is something that I think you kind of touched on, mm-hmm. is that uh, Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is considered like biblical history, mm-hmm. uh, whereas other portions of the Bible, including the rest of Genesis. So chapter 12 is when it starts recounting uh, Abraham's story and then his descendants from Isaac to Jacob, and then it kind of finishes off with Joseph at the end. Um, but Genesis 1 through 11 is considered as biblical history in that uh, a lot of scholars argue that it should be taken literally. And you kind of talked a lot about this, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually something you mentioned a lot, but uh, do you do you want to remind us uh, what your points were regarding that point? Because I think we talked about it mostly in the previous episode. Yeah. Um, so I think really when it comes down to when we're looking at Genesis, and there's undoubtedly, you know, doctorate theses written about this issue at hand of how to interpret. Uh, first thing I think is important is just to understand literary uh, literary type or genre, right? What type of genre? Like most people say it's historical. And I think it's important to understand the audience and the author, right? Like what they were trying to express, what they were trying to impart. Um, and I, I know I didn't do a th- comprehensive, I guess I'm not the most brilliant student of the scriptures. Um, I think in the previous podcast, I laid out some pretty, I laid out some questions. I laid out some places where I think there's holes in the position that it's a purely historical book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the usage of language, um, the flu, yeah, the variability, the lateral, like the way you can have multiple meanings to the same term when it comes to yom, that is the the, Jew, the Hebrew word for day, the way it's utilized there, utilized in scripture. Um, and, and I just, um, and I, man, I'm trying to remember this, this theologian was talking about just how beautifully put together the first chapter of Genesis is. It's so like, it's like a haiku of glory or something like that. He was saying, it's just so perfectly put together. The, the literary form that's in like most Jewish scholars will say, this is not historical writing, nor is it poetic writing. It's a standalone. Like there is no other chapter in the Jewish Bible as we would call it, right? The can't remember what it's called, the, not the Torah, but the Pentateuch. Yeah, thank you. There's, there's, and and even like all the writings, the prophets minor and prophets major. Like, there's no other literary form quite like Genesis chapter one, where the Lord, where where, again, people would say, some people say Moses wrote it. Most people would say that. It's so special and so weird. And I am not smart enough to give you a perfect answer right now. And I, our audience, hopefully you guys go out and read into this. Like, again, this conversation is supposed to maybe hopefully stimulate some uh, questions of your own and uh, places where you seek out the Lord and the truth of scripture. Um, but yeah, again, I think there's flex. I think there's space yeah. in 
loving of God in that spectrum. I think there's room for people like myself and people who have other perspectives on this. Because um, at least for me, I don't believe my perspective upon this is transgressing scripture. Now, maybe I don't know it all. I, there's more verses. Somebody will reach out to me and, and share. But um, yeah, I think there's space. I'm sorry. That's a terrible answer. <clears throat> no, that's good. I, I like that it's open-ended and it's left interpretation. And it's something that um, I mean, you reference from other passages in Isaiah, Hosea, um, even other parts of Genesis where there are, I think Exodus it was, mm-hmm. where it kind of talks about, you know, uh, how long a day is and how it's interpreted in our language, how it was interpreted back then. And I know I think that's uh, that's something that's uh, left for interpretation. It could be taken either way. Um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to continue to the next one. I'm not going to. Um, yeah. It's, and it's not an excuse for me because I, I don't have oh, like, an argument like back. Like we were going to have another 20 yeah, minutes exactly. on this question, yeah, please. exactly. So it's like I'm making that excuse right now. But uh, the second thing, and this is like a bigger one, um, sure. and this is something that you kind of touched on just early, a few minutes ago about mm-hmm. – um, we'll get to it. It's basically since there was no death before the fall of man, a lot of these old mm-hmm. creationists, you know, old earth creationists believe that because – there was a arbitrary amount of time within each day of creation that God created things. Um, obviously, He created the animals before the people. Mm-hmm. It basically basically makes room for the argument of evolution. That, that's that's what, what why this theory comes up. I think. I think the main reason. I'm sure there's other reasons, and I'm sure not everyone kind of openly accepts evolution. But this is what they argue, mm-hmm. and. If there was no death before the fall of man, how is it possible that a species evolved? Because there has to be death, there has to be birth, there has to be multiple generations. How, in your opinion, and based off your research and what you believe on this topic, how is that possible? Well, this is a place that scripture is silent in a certain way, in a certain way. Some would read Job and make draw conclusions of the timeline of humans on the earth. And I, I think this is a place where, again, I, I don't have a purely Bible verse to l- latch onto, but I will give you my interpretation. And this might be even more unorthodox than my <laughs> older perspective. Um, we know dinosaurs are real. We have really good tools today in terms of measuring at what point do we get earth layers, we can call them that, right? Just the geological timeline of things. Uh, We understand what ash looks like as we've dug it up and we have used tools to measure things. Um, And and this coming back to this evolutionary perspective, um, we know that there's some pretty ugly animals that existed in our past, in the past of this planet, that if if humans had lived like, what is it, concurrently with them? Like, I find it hard to imagine a fallen Tyrannosaurus Rex living next to Abraham in the same area. <laughs> I, I find it even more ridiculous to assume that God was herding the dinosaurs on certain continents away from people through angels or some other intermediaries so that human, ev- like, it's it's a leap. So I've just drawn my own conclusions. I've just drawn, I've tried to just be with integrity to what I know, what I don't know, and just kind of leave the Lord to God. I'll find out when I get to heaven, maybe. Um there's a part of me that leans towards this theory that Tim Keller holds in portion of uh, Adam being special creation, uh, that the advent of humanity, this is, sounds weird, uh, the advent, the coming of humanity on the, the timeline of the universe does not, is not concurrent with the very creation of it. Right, like again, think about plants. We we know certain things about plants. We know that there's advanced forms of plants that create seeds and nuts. Right, this is my botany part. Yeah, right? I was gonna say so, you know a lot about so, plants. So fern, like ferns, we have a lot of them in the Northwest. They produce asexually. Right, it rains on them and they release the female and male p- components, and they through water they move. And we find this in the fossil layer. Right, we find a lot of fern-like reproductive systems in what we would call dinosaur times. Right, and and then we would say plants evolved and they figured out they figured out not that they have a sentientness but there was selective there was selective pressure from animals and then and they realized somehow like it moved towards well if there's some shiny fruit around me if there's some flesh that they want to eat me dinosaurs will eat me and poop somewhere and then I'll get 
then then I'll grow somewhere else. There's this propagation theory, right? And this is I'm I haven't done botany a class in ten years, seven years, but it's out there. It's it's very real. That's why you see like blueberry bushes in the northwest on tree stumps growing out of tree stumps because some bird ate blueberries because it's nutritious. But the seeds are in there. They poop on a tree stump. It takes seed and then it starts to grow there, etc. We know the timeline of plants, okay? And we know that there's basic forms of plants and there's sophisticated form of plants. So I'm looking at time. I'm looking at the evolution of time. I, 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 I do agree in a form of evolution. Now, I don't know if I have a label for it. I don't know if I perfectly have a label for it. I don't know why I come to the conclusion or I find a little bit more weight of evidence in this idea that there was a lot of time before Adam. There was a lot of time, at least for the plants alone, okay? Now, if you want to talk about the metrics by which we know stars form, planets form, th that's weird. I, I don't, I, I, I just simply say I don't know enough, but I do know that God has been kind to humanity, that in, in God's eyes, creation has a special place for him. And humanity of all his creation is the most, like, there's something incredible here. There, there, he loves humans so much that he sent his own son to die. So I don't like that. Maybe it's a terrible answer, but it's just this. I don't know. No, it's good because if you ask me, like I have no, I have no argument, or I have no idea how to discuss dinosaurs as a, as a young Earth creationist. I don't know how, you know, they coexisted with humans. I don't know how, um, how, how when they died because I mean it was six thousand years and they, we had to see them sometimes. I know some people now. This is an older theory. Believe that you know a lot of dinosaurs were wiped out uh, in the flood. Um, mm -hmm. Some people argue that, but I think, um, you know, Tim Keller's theory over here, he tries to bridge these two worlds to kind of, you know, so they're both formidable arguments. It's risky. It's, yeah. It's, it's almost concordance. I'm like trying to use science that we know today to explain the scriptures. And But this is the place where the Christian today has to have a position. Like we need to combine our faith and the logic that we read in scripture, like to follow scripture logically, as well as to accept the facts of the universe, okay? If the flood happened, those dinosaurs that lived in the ocean, where are they today? They would have been feasting on things. And we can talk about them eating themselves out. They, you know, there wasn't the megafauna that there was then. The planet was warmer or colder, whatever we know. Mm -hmm. There's just so much open-endedness to this. This is the place where you can have different perspectives you know, I think, again, I'm not wise enough to make a definitive statement about what's the spectrum of perspective. But we, we know, we know things. We know that there was wild horses and camels in North America until saber-toothed tigers ate them out, right, and killed them all, right? Like, they just decimated populations. And uh, now we just, there, there's a different world today. There was lots of animals that existed that don't exist anymore. There's certain conditions that need to exist for those animals to exist. So the earth has gone through radical changes throughout time. And some can say, oh, you know, they happen quickly. Some can say they happen slowly. Anybody who says they know the answer fully, in my opinion, is spouting a little bit of steam, a little mm -hmm. bit of prof, like foom, like it's false fire. I don't think anybody knows definitively except God. And I hope we live in a timeline, in a time where we will have better tools to measure some of this stuff in the future. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, it's it's you can't you can't claim to know it all because none of us know it. We just you know fall on one side or the other. But um, moving on to the last point, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the nature of God, sure. uh, just because I think that's like a, a whole series that we can get into, and I feel like <laughs> we can really go off on a tangent for that one. Uh, but the last point that we're gonna bring up that um, young Earth creationists use as their argument is the genealogy of Adam and the first notable people. Uh, the, the first notable biblical characters. Mm -hmm. So we know that the Bible tells us that Adam lived about a little over 900 years. I, I believe it was nine, 906 years. And what they say is that the genealogy of Adam's, you know, length of living lines up with all the other genealogies when it comes to Abraham, Methuselah, mm -hmm. the flood, um, you know, Moses and all of that. So they use that argument saying like, hey, if, if, if man was created on the sixth day, and we're assuming that each day has an arbitrary amount of time, you know, it could be anything over 24 hours. How is it that Adam is, you know, confirmed to have lived about 900 years and his genealogy lines up? How does that, how does that disprove what the Bible says about that? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, time is... We, you know, we measure time in so many ways. 
Could you just repeat the question? I want to make sure I answer this as best as I can. Absolutely. So the Bible says that Adam lived 906 years, I believe. Okay. And they say that the genealogy of the characters after Adam, because they compare, they, they yeah. say, um, you know, this will happen, what, you know, after this guy died and, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's a whole, there's someone is out there who mapped out all the uh, genealogies. Uh, How this. they overlap in life exactly. spans. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. and with like events at that time, with, like with the flood and Methuselah, mm-hmm. um, how does believing that the sixth day of creation could have been longer than 24 hours, how does that impact what the Bible says about the lining up genealogies of the different figures in the early texts? How does the sixth day when... Because uh, if yeah. it was one calendar day, then it's it's easy to kind of line that up. But if it was longer, you know, who knows how, how that could, you know, impact the, the timeline. Now, yeah, but, that's the, but that's a literal... Interp- that would be interpreting like having a, a a day gap or an age gap interpretation of the sixth day or the timeline of the days, right? It's it's again ascribing a literal number to them per se, rather than looking at them perhaps metaphorically, which is where I believe I I stand more in the arg- in the in the camp of. Yeah, you know, there's some people that would say like, oh, every day was a thousand years or an age, right? An age of creation, an age of that, an age of that. And, and I don't think I am wise enough to make a, a solid point upon the validity of those arguments. Um, well, you did mention earlier that you believe that Adam was created specially, right? Yeah. Over anything else that was living at that time, over anything else that's living now. Yeah. And you have to ask, ask yourself, you know, we have the 906 years. So do we assume that we start counting at his creation? Because was he was he, at in that, terms of time, yeah, in terms of, yeah, in terms of time. Because at the time the of universe. his creation, yeah, okay. before the fall of man, I mean, he was I mean, he was living forever, right? That's incredible. That's he was a, living forever, and then yeah. once he was cast out of the Garden of Eden, that's when you know the um, what's that protein that's your your bio major? What's that protein that gets uh, cut off as you age? Telomeres. Yeah, telomeres. Telomeres. Um, that process started obviously much slower than what we have today. And then began to age. Then he lived another X amount of years until he was 906. So, yeah. that I think that's something also to consider. Like, when do we start counting? When you know, do we literally believe that Adam also lived 900 years, which is a under a fallen right? You just made me think about things that I don't want to think about, yeah. my friend. <laughs> it's like because we look at the fall today, right? Yeah. And it's like, what do the effects of the fall progressively hit humanity? Like, we know sin will increase. Yeah. But like the way how Adam sinned and ripped asunder, like he affected the entire cosmos, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least that's the orthodox belief. Um, how he, when sin per, came into the world, yeah, like he felt shame, right? Yeah. So he had to be clothed, and um, God killed and, and covered he, him. He killed and covered him. So that was the that was considered the first, you know, death. Yeah. Yes, that's to what, cover their shame, which accepting um, of the young, which is a lot of people kind of attribute to, you know. Jesus Christ being a sacrifice to, you know, mm-hmm. cover our 100%. sins, you know. So a lot of people kind of 100%. reference that, uh, both of those two things and try to uh, build a bridge between well, there. Let but. me tell you some things I do know. Coming back to Adam and timeline, where do we start with time? Go for it, yeah. Because we're just, we're going to tr- drift. There's so much <laughs> drift in this conversation, like a log jam in a river. It's yeah, yeah. so big or small. We, we know certain things genetically, right? We have Neanderthal DNA. We, we have bones of a humanoid I'm just going to, this sounds weird, right? Just bear yeah, with me though. Sure. Of a humanoid that was very comparable with us that most scientists in secular science, most scientists from the secular uh, part would say we interbred with them, right? We also now in 2005 or 2009, we discovered in a cave in Russia, another humanoid that has a genetic profile that's wildly different, like wildly different enough that we're like, hey, this is really different. This is not Neanderthal. This is not the what we have homo sapiens as we understand ourselves but there's there's different there's differences there's like extreme differences enough that we think even phenotypically how we look we would have appeared differently to one another even if we could breed with one another and that sounds so terrible forgive me that i'm yeah. speaking just using the terms of science that sure, i know sure um do we start with adam do we start with adam my position is that we don't start with adam for the timeline i don't think so there was a beginning. The spirit of the God was over the waters. Like I don't know where the waters from. I don't know. I don't know that the poetry and the literalism there. I'm, I'm figuring this thing out. Hopefully, when I'm old and wrinkly and dried out like a raisin, I'll have more light. Um, but there's just there's so much to human history that we don't 
know about, okay? Like there's so many things that have happened that we're just discovering now to the tools we have. Like the biggest one is the fact that the Amazon rainforest has had an intense civilization of humans. Right? And, and this sounds might sound weird. You know, most people think of the Amazon rainforest as just like a big forest and there was there's some tribes wandering around in huts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Amazon rainforest is the size of India, okay? It's, it's huge. India has 1.1 or 1.2 billion people living in it, and we have a forest that's big enough that we're now discovering was developed and cultivated, that there's cities underneath all the trees using LIDAR, that human capacity somehow throughout the ages, I don't know how many years, we've, we've been able to develop intensive, like we have, there is so much more to the human story than we know just from the Bible, but we're learning from science. We're learning through the tools that we have available to us. And I'm, I'm just, I'm quaking, I'm thinking, I'm trying to comprehend it all because it's data, it's, it's actual reality. As much as your shirt is red and mine is white tonight, there's things that we're measuring that are irrevocable and, and they don't take faith to believe or not. You know, we know certain things about the human experience that we haven't, we haven't re- I haven't reconciled with my faith yet or I haven't reconciled with the facts that I can find in scripture. Now, do I need to reconcile all of them? No, not at all. But there's certain things I need to reconcile. And I think as for me personally, in the place that I'm at, um, I believe humanity is a special creation. And where God plopped us in on the timeline of, 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 on the timeline of the universe's lifespan, however many more years that will be or however many years back it goes, I believe that there is something almost incomprehensibly special about where we occupy. And for me, that doesn't, it doesn't bother me if there was Neanderthals before or Denisovans. It doesn't bother me if there was species, if there was eons before humanity. What I do know is that when God, I, I believe when God stepped into the flow of time, because the earth started, like the universe took form, time began to start. Like that's the question too, you think. Like before the fall, was there no time? You know, like that's another thing that you have to deal with because corruption right like our death our our in our eminent imminent death as fallen creatures is tied to time and decay and before the fall was there a timelessness were we existing in a material universe without time you know were animals reproducing without the constraints of death but they were still in time Mm -hmm. was adam in this weird pocket like you know again this might sound like the ramblings of a drug addled mind and i assure you folks i don't do drugs don't consider it why (laughs) the only drug i do is caffeine and most of you drink it unfortunately too like you know what i mean like there's so many implications to death and time like we look at death like death is like i've always seen it the, the highest form of death is the separation from god from the from the from the synergy and the and the and the unity that God has created has created humanity or matter to exist with him right all of creation corinthians groans for the revelation of Christ coming back when he will perfect the world well he will restore the synergy that existed before the effects of sin on all things that were flesh but does that mean there was no time before like it it makes me hurt in the head i think one thing that i don't want to say kind of bothers me um because if we're discussing, if we're entertaining the thought or the idea mm-hmm. that these quote-unquote humanoid beings, these Neanderthals, these uh, whatever other you know word they have, whatever they sure. discovered you know in 2005 yeah. or 2009, if these coexisted in Adam's time, you know, if we can even just call, if we can, if we can oh, even yeah. define time at this time, mm. or if you're saying like if they existed before in those you know arbitrary days of creation, one one point that we have to make. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they existed pre-fall of man, is that these, although humanoid in nature and they kind of look like us, we have to say that these were beings that were animal-like and did not have souls. I think mm-hmm. we have to say that. Okay. Because I feel like if we're entertaining this thought, I Adam has to be the first man that was created. Like you said, he's the means man. Eve means mother of all living. Mm-hmm. And that could, I mean, obviously that's a, that's not a literal term because there are living creatures besides everything that was derived from, uh, everyone who was derived from Eve. Hear, yeah. But if we're, if we're going to entertain this, that one distinction we have to make and one place we have to put our foot down is that Adam is the father of man. Adam and Eve are the, our, our parents, our, our ancestors and all living things with the soul that 
can uh, theoretically have a glorified body in heaven with Christ if they accept Christ in their lives, um, yeah. they all came from their line. And, and these other beings, these other humanoid-like beings, were not part of that line. They were part of 100%. something else. Because, I mean, they had 100%. to have come somewhere. We have the uh, archaeological, archaeological evidence yeah. that's there. And I don't know. I mean, there's there's... Because you know you're talking about the the tribes that are living even today in the Amazon rainforest, and you see a lot of articles and um, stories about how they, they don't they're unaware of the civilization that civilization that's all yeah, around them, uncontacted. And peoples. there are points in the Bible where God curses a certain line of people, like He curses, mm. uh, yeah, well Ishmael's line yes. from Abraham because he didn't he didn't obey God when it came to having a you know having a yeah. son. So He didn't curse Ishmael. He cursed his son Canaan and you know that line and all of his yeah. all of his uh you know descendants there and he also uh with uh, I believe it was Ham right when he mocked his father and I don't know however you in- yeah. yeah however you interpret it, interpret that passage uh, I know there's multiple schools of thought um you know are are those people derived from there are they are hmm. they slowed down and inhibited in their social mental psychological um, advancements so like generational curse yeah generational exactly curses. is is that where they came from i i, 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 I think i want to just i, I want to say uh, your point about a soul uh, starting with adam i think it's absolutely important i think that's one of the things as a person who understands parts of evolution i really do i'm trying to find the right answer because a soul cannot simply mean a better arrangement of genetic material that gives you conscious thought mm-hmm. right like that's that's antithetical. That's yeah. antithetical to the exceptional creation that God, like God, the, even if it's metaphoric or it's physical, God took a special interest in Adam and Eve when he brought them forth. The human line starting with Adam, right? The, the version of humanity, if you want to call it, or humanoids, right? At the very least, that starts with Adam is like we can't, yeah, a soul cannot be a better collection of genetics because given enough time, given the evolutionary theory, there will be sentient life, you know, from other species or there will be, depending on trajectories and environment, we're, you know, their current one is we'll kill them all before yeah. we get there, they'll get there. But, um, you know, they're saying chimps have entered the stone age, right? In terms of figuring out stone tools and stuff like that. It cannot simply mean a conscience, a thing that is precious to God the exceptional, like bearing the image of God cannot mean good genetic combination. And that's like, that's one of the places where I, you know, I put my hands up, I bring up a white flag and I say, I don't know enough. Like I'm figuring it out there. And I think anybody, any Christian who has maybe more of a libertine interpretation of creation and stuff, they need to, they need to figure out a better answer than just to say it's, it's okay. You know, like what you're saying. Exactly. The soul is the demarcation line for us. Yeah. And I agree. And for all of you out, all of you out there, uh, I know you you just listened to some pretty intense stuff. Before you start posting my address on the internet and you know ha- or, or tracking me down, <laughs> I want to let you know that just because we talked about this doesn't mean we necessarily believe it. We're just entertaining some thoughts, some ideas, oh, yeah. some things we're looking into. Uh, we're the, the 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 statements that we made. The important statements are that you know there are certain things that we cannot interpret. We can't allow for interpretation in the Word of God. There's certain set set Correct. in stone things, closed fist ideas that. We have to believe if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be saved. And these other things, you know, although we don't always, we're not going to believe them 100%, they're just interesting things that we can talk about. Like, like for example, the, the origins of the dinosaurs and, you know, and their extinction, you know, I don't know. Personally, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I never claimed to be. Uh, you know, Jonathan doesn't uh, claim to be an expert as well. So there's just some things that we're talking about that people are um, wondering, that people are asking that, you know. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's good for you know educational purposes. I think it's helpful and beneficial. Uh, but I just wanted to put that out there in case um, you know you guys were were wondering. Don't get um, a one sided idea of us guys. No, 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 no. This is not you know don't don't uh, kick us away from the or uh, from the pulpit. You know just because we we're we're putting this out there. But um, as we wrap things up, and this is another long episode, but I'm glad because we're we're getting a lot of content here. But as we wrap things up, I know we wanted to draw to this point of where does faith and logic intersect? How can we as Christians have the faith that we need where, you know, we're described to have this faith that, you know, a childlike faith, a faith where we have to take the next step without having to see it. And then we also have to keep logic in mind because we have to make conclusions based off what God has given us. Yeah. So as we conclude here, um, this episode, I'm going to ask you, Jonathan, um, and take the time that you need 
where does faith in a Christian's life intersect with their logic and how can they coexist or how can they not coexist? Yeah. Um, that, that's a question I've been dealing with for 12 years, all my faith. Um, I think we have to be honest with what is. I fully believe in the word of God that God has chosen to love me in spite of myself, in spite of the deep corruption that exists in me as a bearer of Adam's curse. Um, and, 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 I, and therefore I receive all the wisdom of scripture and I seek to adjust it, not that I've absorbed it all, but I'm, I'm working at believing everything that's here, that God is using all my circumstances for my good uh, because he has led me to love him. And at the same time, I have to use the facilities that God is. As much as the Bible tells us to work hard and to not be lazy because winter's coming and go learn from the ant, you sluggard, right? <laughs> I have to use the facilities of my mind. It's a privilege that we live in a world where we don't have to worry about where the harvest is coming because we figured out fertilizer before World War One, which incidentally led to World War One, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we figured out how to the Judeo-Christian faith gave us such a s structure to our societies that we have police and we don't have to worry about warlords running around. We have police for now. Uh, for, we'll, for now. We'll see. We'll see about this whole... That'll be another podcast. Yeah, defunding, yeah. <laughs> um, and therefore we can use our minds and, and there are certain questions that come up about the way things are, the way things are not, why things are right, why things are not. And so I think it's every Christian's duty to explore those things as they come up in your own life. Like maybe you're just busy. Maybe you're just hustling. You're trying to get through. Maybe you have a difficult life comparatively to mine or other people's. And, you know, you you take care of what needs to be taken care of. Uh, but I believe thinking about things logically, thinking about things with clarity of mind, trying to bury your own, trying to put aside your own presuppositions about the universe or what you were taught growing up and asking things with open question, with open mindedness saying, I understand something about this topic but I'm going to approach it with the alert neutrality of being surprised with something that might change my perspective, you know? And that means asking honest questions like we talked about in the last two, this podcast and the prior one where, you know, some of the angst of our minds and our lives is just, we're just asking questions that come up. And, uh, and my, my hope is that we would be a people that don't run away from hard questions. You know, it's kind of like running away from trials in your faith. Trials are supposed to prove, they're supposed to increase your endurance so that you can resist, that you can do, that you can be more who God wants for you. I think the same thing with our logical muscles, our emotional muscles, our spiritual muscles, so to speak, if we can use it metaphorically. These are all parts of God's uh, toolkit to us to engage with the universe he's created, even though it's fallen. If you, you know, negate, part of your toolkit you're like a you're like a plant that gets too much sun but not enough water or too much too much water not enough sun you don't grow normal and i believe we have to be a people especially in a world where christianity unfortunately at least in america has been so politicized that we are seen as the as a less logical option as a less logical part of society you know we should not only be a people who do good works but live our lives in such a way that people can't speak of us for evil peter writes right like they shouldn't be able the date when date jesus shows up people should look at our lives in all of its facets be like yeah i can't say anything about marcus or jonathan like they were kind they were christ-like they they were logical they were generous they were intellectual they sought good they they rejected evil etc all these things they did all of it okay it's not okay just to be a good person in one area of life like the invitation of christ is to know him and then he cleanses us of, of our sins of the flesh and then he cleanses us of our sins of the spirit and part of that is the pride sins of the spirit which which pride manifests in the flesh and in the spirit jesus is removing all of that and i think um apologetics is a great place to start by learning the foundations of logic you know read some books you know read read some classical you know uh some classical literature right um there's a book that I've been itching to read, uh, the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, old Solzhen. It's a Eastern name, where he just he's a, yeah he talks about things and 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 he exposes illogical inerrancies in communism, right? But it's like you're just exposed to the ideas of what logic is, what philosophy is, some of the underpinnings of human thought and mind that we've been thinking about for thousands of years. 
So get off Netflix and get going. You, you have a short life, folks. Everybody that's listening to this, unless you have incredible genetics, will be <laughs> dead in 100 years. Yep. And the only thing you don't get back is time. You know, like today will be over and it will be 4th of July tomorrow for us. And um, I, I, what I do today matters. How I feed my mind, how I challenge my mind, how the Holy Spirit, how I respond to the invitation of the Holy Spirit to develop myself, be it physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, these are all important and we have to do it. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit as he guides us. Otherwise, we are people who still live for ourselves. And that is not the mark of a Christian. That's the mark of the old man or the old woman that Christ has paid by his blood to put to death. We have to serve the whim of God. Not the whim as in he's a cruel master, but he's the perfect Lord over us. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it, how we need it. He doesn't work anything for our evil because he has promised to do everything for our good. Uh, inside of us and outside of us, everything that's happening to us works for our good if we love him. And uh, embracing embracing a critical, th- not critical theory in the sense of what we see that socially, economically, politically today, but embracing critical reasoning, logic, some basic tenets of philosophy, these all round us out as believers and allow us to engage with our peers in the church and with our society at large and not look like some ridiculous Western, Western Westboro Baptist Church congregation. Not that we need the approval of man, but I'll be pretty ashamed before God if I didn't grow in everything he had intended for me. You know what I mean? Especially if he, if that's what he called us to do, to go to preach to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we will be hated because of Jesus' name, and we, we know that from Scripture, but we have to do what we can to... True, preach the true gospel because I feel like a lot of people aren't doing that, and yeah. you know I'm I'm you know narrow is the path, narrow is the gate. We know that, but it's okay to be on the narrow path, but have have a more open mind to see where other people come from, and you know be able to preach the gospel to them in, in the way that they need to hear it. Not that you're altering the gospel, no, but you're you're addressing uh you know the needs that people have because everyone has different needs to come from big, yes. different backgrounds and you have to you know the same way that you portray yourself you know at home in your workplace um in your school i mean you, you may have to do something different when you're out in the mission field because there's just yeah. two different environments with two different types of people so no i i thank you so much jonathan for presenting this these last two uh, episodes um i think it was very informative um, for those of you who weren't confused, uh, but if, hey, if you guys were on the fence on something, uh, maybe we, sh- we shine some clarity on some, some topics that you've either never thought of or never considered, because I know a lot of people don't, don't know about the, uh, old earth creation theory. A lot of people, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know about the young earth creation theory. theory. This is something that maybe some people never really thought of. They're yeah. just like, oh yeah, okay, you know, day one, day two, day three, you know, you learned in Sunday school. Yeah. It happens, and yeah. here we are. There's other more important things to exactly. think about, perhaps. Things that are not really preached because it's not exactly doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I think I've heard it preached in the remaining church maybe like two times, maybe three times. Sure, sure. Uh, with, you know, other connections that they had to, you know, later books and later ideas. But um, yeah, it was. I think it was very informative, and thank you again so much for, for being here for these last uh, two episodes. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe... In the future, we can have you back on. By then, I'll probably try to do something, uh, you know, remote, like some remote episodes where you sure. know you'll be in uh, Washington and I'll be down here in California. We can we can definitely do something for the future. All those emails we'll get, we'll uh, we'll address all the concerns and thoughts. Yeah, a little any... a little uh, not, not not so much a Q and A, more like just an A. <laughs> all just the answers that people uh, you know accuse us with. But um, so uh, as we did in the last episode, Jonathan, uh, where can people find you on the internet to send their wonderful yeah. compliments? Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my name, Jonathan Antemi, Ant- not Antemia, but Antemia. Uh, and I'm on Instagram at Jonathan D. Antemi. Awesome. And, and I will definitely tag you in the post that we have. Uh, if you want to follow us on our Instagram, we're at the Potter's House. Um, if you have any um questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at our email at thepottershouse at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe on the uh, on the platforms that we have, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today, and we will see you next time. <laughs>